Anything combat with Johnny K. But it's anything combat though. Welcome back, combatants, to the Anything Combat Show, where we discuss everything mixed martial arts. Today, we're joined by a special guest named Howard H.D. Davis. He's ranked two featherweight in the BKFC, ranked five lightweight in the BKFC. He's a fucking puncher, and he'll take the lights out, and he's, he's going to be the 145 champ pretty soon. After all the tape I've watched, I'm, I'm convinced that he's going to be the 145 belt um, holder. So welcome, H.D. How are you going today? What's up, bro? Appreciate everything you said about me. It's definitely coming this year, hopefully, maybe early next year, but I will be the champion at 145. The paper champ is gone. He's out of out of real estate. There's no more running. I chased him down, and now the time is coming. But um, coming into being um, the title challenger, being number two ranked, I just every contact, every contract they've sent to me, BKFC, I've, you know, decimated people. You know, most of my knockouts are viral. And the only loss I have is from a doctor stoppage. You know, that's something that's out of my control. I got a cut from a punch that wasn't even a significant punch. Just, you know, grabbed my eye the wrong way. It's bare knuckle. Anybody get, can get cut. But the dude wasn't outla- outlanding me, nor had as much input, input as me in the first round. My fight ended in fucking two minutes, bro. Some bullshit, you know. So I've been cut before. The fight continued. I've seen worse cuts, but... The doctor just was, you know, kind of stoppage happy that night. I think a few fights got stopped very, very early and, you know, it was unfortunate. But I'm here to just um, make amends on that. When I get the opportunity, I'm going to fuck him up. Just to let you guys know that. Excuse my language if, you know, you can't curse me like that. But now you can fuck, curse on my show, bro. It's all good. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to fuck him up. And then, you know, but first Kai gets, gets it and then Louis gets it. Did anybody else, you know, regardless of who it is, where they from, I don't care. They can get it because I've fought people. From everywhere, you know, they send me contracts for people that's all over the, the, the state. So I don't care who it is. So let's talk about that style matchup with those two opponents. First of all, the doctor stoppage against uh, Louis. What do you think about his skill level? Do you think that you were winning that fight? And then second, moving on to the current belt holder, Kai. To be yeah. honest, when I've looked at the tape, I just think that you're faster than him. And I know attributes don't always win the fight. But when you have a speed advantage like that, that's evident. I feel yeah. like I feel like a knockout's only the result that you can really predict from that matchup. So, how do you feel about the two matchups? Okay, first of all, we've been completely honest. Louis Lopez got the worst version of Howard H.D. Davis. In my first layoff in my professional career, I was off half a year. I had a major hand surgery, and I came back. Before I was supposed to come back, I didn't decide to fight a trash can. I just fought somebody that was fresh off a win. He got momentum, and I was coming off a draw. I didn't, you know, get to do my full physical therapy for my hand for, you know, reasons that I can't, you know, say on here. But it was a lot. I battled a lot. I was, you know, struggling through the times that I wasn't able to fight financially because the only thing I was doing at that time was fighting. So the fact that I can't fight and then I only have one hand it's kind of hard to find work bro so I was struggling trying to live off of my last paycheck and that shit was very stressful so I was going through a lot I went in with the wrong mindset I fought like an idiot so it wasn't like his style or anything he did I just came forward and really wanted to knock Louis out just off the strength of Louis was talking shit to me for months bro you know trolling me online talking shit talking shit talking shit so I really wanted to go in there and finish him in the first round and that caused me to rush in to certain shots and be exposed on a defensive end because I didn't care about getting hit by him. His de- his power wasn't shit to me, bro. 
you can hear after we fight, he's like, bro, you hit like a fucking heavyweight, bro. Mind you, he didn't even get my best shot. Not even fucking close, bro. I was so off that fight with my timing, with my defense, because I haven't been in the ring, bro. I wasn't, you know, I was sparring, but it wasn't like intense sparring. I was still working my hand back. So, like, as I said, he got a worse version of me. And kudos to him for cutting my eye and making it seem like he knew what he was doing. And I was the whole game plan to do this and the third. He said he stopped me with a jab, but it was actually actually a counter hook that I evaded. And it barely caught me that cut my eye. So that's really what won him the fight. But anybody will say anything when, you know, the, the sun shines on their ass every once in a while, you know. He got blessed. He got lucky. But it, it, the, the levels and the difference of the first fight to, to the second fight when we have it is going to show exactly what I'm saying. I'm not just talking just to talk. I don't toot my own horn for no reason. I'm working my ass off, and I know it's levels to this shit, and I'm a level above him. I'm going to show that. With Kai, I agree with you 100% on the speed, but it's not just the speed. Kai doesn't have any fucking power. He's a he's a, he's a pity patter. He's a wrestler. Nothing he's going to throw, I'm, I'm going to be afraid of. And the fact that he's not as fast as me, and I spar people way faster than him, like um, Bryce Baba Yaga, which he's obviously longer and faster, in a sense of reach and skill, if I can evade his punches, his jab, what do you think I'm going to do to Kai? I'm going to set Kai up. I'm going to hit Kai with some shit that he's never been hit with before because Louie can't fuck with me in the power department. Only thing Louie hands are good for is cutting motherfuckers. That's it. Other than that, it's, he has no real power. So he can say what he want to say, bro, and then they all can talk, but I'm the hardest hitter. One, I'm the hardest hitter in 145. The only one that I see that's up there with me is probably, you know, Brandon Allen or... um. Well, I never seen um James Brown the dude. I never seen. I never know his power like that. But he look like he's a pretty decent puncher. You know, um, El Gallo's at the weight class now. I'm pretty sure he has some power. But to me, I know that the type of speed and power I come with is on another level. If you get touched the right way by me, you're out of there. You know, I've been hit full flesh on my jaw on the button by Jimmy Jimmy Rivera. You think any of them guys really hitting like Jimmy fucking Rivera? He weighed in at 146 when we fought. You know what I mean? We re-weighed we re in, which we do now. I weighed in at probably 165, 160. Man, Jimmy Rivera weighed in at fucking 180 fight night, bro. I took a punch from a, a 185-er, basically, bro, that has more experience than all of us combined in the ring for, and for BKFC featherweights, and I took that shit on the chin, and he didn't drop me. So you think one of these boys can drop me? Nah, man, I'm not. They, they, you got to see, the, the, you know, that my chin is different, bro. My heart is different. Like, nobody in this sport can stop me. Unless it's the doctor, and that's from a cut, bro. So we saw that, and that's all we ever saw. Other than that, everybody seen me take the biggest shots, eat them like they're nothing. Dude, I totally didn't think about that with the Jimmy Rivera fight because I knew about I knew about the fight, and I'm gonna ask you a question about it later. But with Jimmy, he was such a difficult fucking opponent in the UFC, and he had yeah. so many MMA fights. I was looking at his record. He had like 18, 19 professional fights. So I didn't even think about that, that coming to the BKFC, having that having that skill advantage from previous boxing and kickboxing events yeah. and MMA fights, such as Mike Perry, who's decimating it right now. So yeah. I didn't even I didn't even think about that. Um now knowing you're that former, I wanna... you're formerly ranked number one in the in, in, in the um featherweight class of um UFC. And UFC yeah, I think I think I might have been I think I might have been bantamweight, and the only person really yeah. to beat him became champion, Aljamain Sterling, exactly. if you know who he exactly. is. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it was Bentwick. I know that the weight changes from BKFC to yeah. UFC, but it's like, yo, yeah. the rankings from our rankings at BKFC, no shot at my promotion. My, my promotion is great, but we're still, you know, getting established. The rankings for UFC are bigger. So if you're number one ranked at any weight class, you're somebody. I fought a somebody. 
Kai fought nobodies. Everybody in the weight, weight, my weight class have fought literally people that we don't really know like that. I fought a, a real fighter, bro. A real fighter. Not, he's not too old. He's not 40 years old. He's not you no know, one foot out. He can still fucking fight. After this fight with me, he wouldn't want to fight. So it's like people call me out and say all this shit and say I didn't fight nobody. But, bro, I took the biggest test that you guys probably wouldn't have taken at that time of y'all career, which y'all didn't take, which y'all probably got offered it. I took it. And I took it with one hand. That same injury that messed me up coming back for the Louis fight, that's the injury I fought through with Jimmy. And I hurt my hand when I knocked, that, knocked out um, Josh Wright before that. So it's like people don't understand. I wasn't even 100%. And it's like <laughs> people don't understand, bro. That's just the thing about people just make their own narratives and don't know the truth truth of what real fighters go through. I took that because it was an opportunity. And the person I was with was telling me if I go in there and I beat him or I knock him out, it's going to do wonderful things for me. So I, I gambled, you know. I took it and I tried to fight him. Not 100%, and I still came out, you know, with a draw against somebody of that level, and I'm not 100%, bro. Come on, bro. Like, nobody can really say anything to me in, in the featherweight division and, and talk down on who I fall and decide third, bro. I fight people that have real MMA backgrounds, real professional experience that have more fights than me. Mostly everybody I fall have, has, has, has had more fights than me. I'm young in my professional career, but I'm doing great. Totally agree, dude. Uh, that was a very good point that you mentioned about being a pound-for-pound -pound fighter in the UFC because if you're top five in any division, that 135 division, if you count the WEC promotion and pride in Japan back in the day, mm -hmm. if you count all of that building in that 135 division, that division's been around since 2004, basically. So yeah, if you're going to exactly. climb the ranks... If you're gonna climb the ranks, you're gonna be you're gonna be a fucking um, you're gonna be a person in the sport to be a formidable opponent. I want to yeah. ask you about your sense of knowing. So you you come across like you're confident, but not a not a level of confident. There's a lot of people that are confident, but it's fucking delusional. Do you, you yeah. know, do you know what I mean? I yeah. feel like you have a real sense of knowing in yourself that you don't really need to prove anything. You just kind of say factually that you're that good. So I want to know where have you gotten, where have you gotten this sense of knowing that you're on that skill level and uh, what leads you to believe that uh, you're as good as you say you are? Honestly, first of all, I always, you know, give praise to God because he blessed me with having that confidence in myself. It wasn't always there, but going through the trials and tribulations I have gone through through life. I know that a lot of people haven't gone through. And even if they have, I've gone through a, a, you know, a lot of shit that a, a lot of people wouldn't think I've gone through to get here. And just the people I've been in the gym with, like I'm bring up um, Bryce Babayaga again. I've sparred him for so long, bro. And I went through so many times that I wanted to quit boxing and stop because that kid was always just a great talent. He's a great talent. He's been boxing longer than me, so... I legit got my ass beat by him by uh, by him and his brother because his brother is a beast too for a long time. But taking those ass whoopings day in day out and never saying no when other people said no, they didn't want to spar them because you know they you know they can't do nothing with them. You know they getting their ass beat whatever. I took those on the chin and I just kept my head down and kept going. And these are people that have been in the boxing ring with people that box on the zone right now. Match um what is Matchbox boxing. PBC, you know, people that are world champions, former world champs. I've been in, I've been there also with, you know, former world champions and stuff like that too, sparring people and getting knowledge from people. So I know I'm not just a regular person. Like I, when I see a challenge, I take it and I want to get better and I strive for that. So 
the fact that I went through all these, you know, down parts of boxing and really stuck it out and never quit, never, you know, took a, a, a beating too bad without giving a, giving a beat in the back or, you know, learning from it. I know that I'm different. I know these people that I'm in the um, weight class with haven't really been tested like that. And, it's, and that's not even just fight. I'm talking about sparring. Sparring is a big part of your preparation for your fight and, and who you are. If you comfortable in sparring and you looking good in sparring, you're going to look good in your fight. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's just how that goes. That's the biggest thing you can work on when it comes to preparing for a fight is sparring. So if I'm sparring people that's on the level above them, what, what am I going to be when I fight them on the level above them? Skill-wise, speed-wise, countering, defense. If I'm fighting somebody that's way out of your league and I'm keeping up with him, I'm best at him sometimes and he's best at me sometimes, we're only making each other better. And I've been with people like that my whole time boxing. I never went and beat up on nobody who had less experience than me. That was a softy that I can just go knock out everybody. I went and went when went, went in there with was more accomplished than me in professional boxing and amateur boxing. I mean, national champs, num number one ranked in the nation, all type of shit. People that's bigger than me in my weight class because I hit hard. I never shy away from a challenge. It's people that tiptoe around challenges and don't want to test how great they are. So I've test how great I, I am and how great I will be. I will keep testing myself and going through these, you know, trials of trying to be a better boxer and a better person in life. So that's why I had a confidence because I know I'm not backing down. I don't care what your resume is. I don't care who you are, who you think you are, what you've done in life. I'm coming for it. And I know I can get it because God has showed me that, you know, I, I keep going no matter what. I keep going. So you're bringing up the sparring sessions that you have with these fighters. So BKFC, the sparring is completely different. The matches are completely different. So how do you prep? If, are you sparring with 18-ounce gloves or are you prepping a certain way for the the conditions of the BKFC? No, nah, we're not sparring with 18-ounce gloves. That'd just, to me, that would kind of be um not in your favor to spar with heavier gloves. We spar with the same um, ounce gloves that professional boxers spar with when they spar so they don't hurt each other, and that's 16 ounces. But when we go over stuff with our coaches on – um, his name is Bobby Henry, um, B3. Shout out to him. He's one of the best young upcoming BKFC coaches. You know, he's training like all of us right now. We don't hit the bag all the time with gloves. We don't hit the mitts all the time with gloves. We do a lot of stuff that gets us prepared to the fight. I mean, for the fight. And it's like you need that difference and change up and speed and having that, you know, the gloves circumference over your hand because you don't have that when you're um, fighting the BKFC, like you said. So if you get used to having eight ounces on, 16 ounces on, you throw a jab that reaches a person in the sparring, it may not reach when you're in BKFC because it's just your knuckle. You don't have that extra, you know, that round tip at the end. So we start, you know, hitting the bag without gloves, hitting the mitts without gloves to get our timing and our dis distance and our range on point. So that's how we do that. But we don't never, you know, put on heavier gloves unless we're trying to gain speed but that's not, you know, something that we do towards the end of the camp. That's something that we do when we got a camp that's probably a month or two long, whatever. And we do that in the beginning just to, you know, condition your arms and stuff like that. But you only have your gloves to make you, you know, better in BKFC because that's just going to mess up your timing. You don't want to mess up your timing when it comes to BKFC because you have to be very precise with your hits and your speed has to match, you know, where you're trying to hit the person at because if you're off a little bit, you, you can tell immediately like, oh, shit, my shit is either is too slow or – even you could be even too fast too at the same time. So you got to very, you know, you got to gauge on how your fighting ability ability is and you got to get comfortable with BKFC. And that's what I had to do for my first 
few fights, you know. Now that I'm in it, and I got, I think, eight fights overall. It's way different. In the beginning, I was, it's not even nervous, nervous or anything like that. Just getting comfortable with it, because all I know is for the last few years is boxing. Before boxing, yeah, I did burn knuckle on the street and fought people, but it's obviously not the same when you get in that squared circle, you know, and you're in there boxing and there's people around you in the, the atmosphere and stuff like that. When you're sparring, I like the incorporation of the clinch inside the BKFC. I think it's such an underrated part of the game that will win people fights if they really master it. So how are you focusing on using clinch strikes, kind of that single collar, um, when you have those uh, eight-ounce gloves, as you were saying? Yeah. My coach does clinch work with us. Sometimes we have a whole round of it. We have a whole few rounds of it. It's not always throwing the punches. Is working in the clinch and working out of it. And, you know, um, to initial the clinch, you want to set stuff up. You just don't always want to go in and just reach your hand out and try to grab a motherfucking neck and pull the head down to the clinch because if you do that, you're obviously leaving yourself open for a shot. So with sneaky ways we've been working on to, you know, establish the clinch. And he's been doing a great job because when we get in the clinch, we know what to do. There's nobody has, has gotten in the clinch with me and has done any real damage to me in the clinch or outwork me in the clinch, except for, I can say, Jimmy, Jimmy Rivera, but it's not like he outworked me. He just is so used to doing MMA. He was doing under and over hooks like it wasn't nothing, and obviously he's the shorter fighter. So people don't understand, for me to fight the shorter guys, I always say it's an advantage, but it depends on how the fight go. You know, Jimmy and Jimmy was, you know, distance, and then we'll come inside, and, like, he's obviously heavier, so it's harder to fight him inside, and he's short. So, obviously, the advantage is to the short person when they get inside, if they're able to, and then my advantage is to be outside and be long. So, you know, just um, I feel like that's the only person that really gave me uh, a hassle inside with the clinch is him. And I feel like that's why we got the draw. We didn't get the draw from him landing some insane shots outside and outboxing. It was really his clinch work that was the points that added up, and they had to make it a draw because I'm doing work from the outside. He's doing work from the um, outside, but it's minimum, but it's more work inside, and my more and more work is outside, so it just, you know, it's a toss-up like that. That's another thing that people don't really understand. When you're fighting a shorter fighter with, with a sizable reach, they fight like a long fighter at range, but they yeah. can still slip on everything you do. So exactly. it's actually a disadvantage to a taller opponent. It's fucking hard. You gotta understand, people don't understand, I would rather fight somebody my height because, you know, while my punches, the people I spar are usually my height or taller. So when, I punch, when I'm punching, I'm punching directly straight. When I'm, when I'm fighting somebody short, I have to punch down. That's taking power away. That's taking accuracy away. That's doing a lot because most of the dudes I fight, I don't have people in my training camp that's the same body build or size as, as them. So that's why sparring is so important because if I can get somebody that has the same size as Kai, that's going to be beneficial to me because when I fight him, I know how to throw my punches and my punches won't land on the side of his head or the top of his head. I won't break my fucking hand. But if I don't have that, then it's kind of, it's hard. It's tricky. I got to go ahead and do it just off the, you know, the strength of me and him fighting right in front of each other. I got to, I got to adjust. But what boxing is, what bare knuckle is, what any combat sport is, the real champions, they learn how to adapt. And that's what all I've been doing is adapting in my fights. If I don't have that particular training of that set style, because obviously you want to spar people that have similar styles as the person that you're fighting. That's a big thing, too. Like, that's why sparring is the biggest thing because it really gets you prepared for the person you're fighting. If you do it the right way, if you have the right coaches and you have the right people around you, you're going to get the right sparring and it's going to pay dividends in the fight. You're talking about if you have a taller opponent or an opponent that is the same height as you, you'll be able to, like, unleash your game a little bit more effectively. So 
there's the division above. You're ranked fifth right now in the world yeah. in that division. Uh, yeah. What's the plan there? To be honest, the champ at that division, uh, I think it's Louis Polomino, if I'm, yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Polomino. He's, he's pound for pound number one. He's undefeated. Yeah. It doesn't look like anyone's going to beat him anytime soon. So what's the plans for you <laughs> for that division? Honestly, I'm not going to lie to you. It's a kid up and coming that I've mentioned twice already. Bryce Babayaga, he has every tool to beat him and to beat him fairly easy. He's a champ. I respect him pound for pound, what he's under the UFC, his combat career. But, you know, he's kind of on the, you know, the back end of his, you know, career being at the age he's at. This young kid that's going to come in, that's already come in, he's already ranked in the division. He only got one fight at the division. He's, he's, he's a killer, bro. So I'm t I don't think they're going to take that fight anytime soon. So he may vacate it if it comes up or whatever happens. Because I know he's fishing for the big fights. But that kid, to me, that's his division. He's going to get that belt. And that's like my little brother, like, I, he's one of my sponsored athletes from my clothing brand. That's the person that I wouldn't fight. Off the history that we got, off of us coming from the, the same first gym, we just, we real deal like, brother, that's, not a, that's the person I wouldn't fight. We had the opportunity to make big money, and we like, hey, fuck, we gonna fight and make this money. Yeah, we'll fight. Like, there's no fear from either one of us. We will fight anybody. But to think that, oh, yeah, I'm gonna go in that weight class and go fighting for his belt and this and that, I'm not that type of person because that's not how I move. Like, when somebody's really my brother, my family, I want to see them win and want to see me win. My weight class is 145. The 155 venture was just a venture. I went there to just have a little fun after the Louis Lopez loss. You know, my um, my advisor advised me, you know, you know, just go to 155 and have a little fun. I went, you know, fought two dudes. You know, one dude was MMA, Trevor Morris. He has a good MMA record. If you look at it, I think he was like 15 and 2, 15 and 3. He's, he did his thing in MMA. I think it was, I don't know if it was, I don't think it's pro, but it's like the Ammies, like just like me. He has kind of the same record. So he had a good amateur background. So you know how to fight. Got some knockouts and stuff like that. And another dude I fought was, um I think, a 165-er, and he came down. He was 11 pounds over, and I beat him with a jab. And this dude wasn't, like, some slouch. It's just that it was a perfect jab, and you couldn't see his eye. I did his eye real bad. But, you know, the 155 division isn't mine for the taking. If I did go there and, you know, Bryce was there, and like I said, we wanted to make something and make some money, and they offered us some big-ass purse, yeah, I mean, we'll probably fight it. We'll feed both our families, and we'll be cool out there. Just you know, that's that's to help us. But Palomino, like to me, I feel like I give Palomino a run for his money, just like Bryce would. And like I said, I'm not. I, I do feel like Bryce would beat him, and I say fairly easy. And you know, I may beat him fairly easy, but I may not. You never know. We have different fighting styles, different skill sets. So if the opportunity was offered to me, I'll fight anybody. You know what I mean? Especially if they're champions. You know, it's a big payday because at the end of the day, we fight for you know. Our families, man. I'm fighting to provide for my family and provide for the living situations I'm in and the things I want in life and to be comfortable. So if it makes sense and all of us can eat, regardless of you know how it happens, I'm cool with that. But 145 is my division, and that's what I'm going to stand on. Let's talk about Bryce's skill level. So mm -hmm. if you're thinking that Polomino would lose to Bryce, why yeah. do you say that? What it, it, you can't give away all the, the game, of course, right? But what in particular does Bryce do so well that you think Polomino just can't hold a torch to? Yo, listen to Chris Lights Out, you know, one of the BKFC, like, commentators, man. Like, he's been in combat sports just as long as Polomino or longer, and he talks so highly of the kid. Like, that's one talented kid. Like, I've been around him since he first started boxing. Like, he started boxing before me. He was younger. 
and he stayed with a, a little bit more than me. Like I, have, I was going through life with a lot of stuff. I'm a young dad at that time. So I had to do a lot of work and stuff like that. I couldn't really invest in my boxing career with amateurs and stuff like that. So him and his brother and, you know, shout out to his dad for keeping him in the gym and really pushing him to be, you know, where they are now. Because if those kids get a shot at, you know, fighting somebody on PBC or doing that, like they upset an A-side and become like a name. Like and he already did that on a Jake Paul card. Bryce, if you look up Bryce's Henry, Last boxing match, he upset a A side dude who was four and zero, I think four or five and zero, and um, the dude was good, a, a good dude, a, you know, good weight class, good size, good everything, and Bryce made it look like it was, you know, I don't want to say easy, but basically easy, like you know, he hasn't boxed in a minute. He that was his first boxing match in probably like a year or two, and he still was sharp. He still outclassed the dude, and this is a dude that doesn't do bare knuckle. This is a dude that does strictly boxing, and like I said, if if he's on the Jake Paul card and he got some type of push behind him, some type of name behind him. He has obviously had an amateur career, and he did good in it. So it's like you go in straight from – I don't think he had – I think he had a bare fight, and then he went to the boxing thing, but he just went in there and outclassed the dude. And all the dude is work – all the dude work on his boxing. Bryce was working on the clinch with bare knuckle, all that stuff like that, and he just switches to both, and he's he's dominating both so easy. So the way I've seen Palomino fight, because I ain't going to talk about all about Bryce's skill. I'm not going to, like, disclose all that. Like I said, you got to go look at film and really research him. And actually have him on the show because he's a great kid. So just, you know, I'll tell him that, you know, he should come reach out to you and, you know, go on the show. You guys chop it up. But um, just looking at Palomino fight, from what I've seen in person, he, he he's a he's a great striker. You know, he has head movement. He has footwork. He's, he's doing a lot of things that, you know, it's kind of unnatural and it's good for him and it works for him. But, man, I've seen his style get decimated by Bryce's. And then this is, like, people that have more youth than Palomino, more speed and more power. People that are predominantly boxers and they can, you know, give Bryce that boxing challenge. You know, at the end of the day, bare knuckle boxing or bare knuckle fighting is, is boxing. You know, if you can't clinch a person, it's straight boxing, just without gloves. So if you have a person that has a 80-inch reach, and this is probably like a 10-inch reach advantage over you, and he has probably the nastiest jab in bare knuckle, how, you, how do you even get by that? So let's not even talk about all the other weapons, but that's the main thing that, that's going to dictate their fight. If he cannot get past that jab, and when he finally do, his face may not look the same. So you have to take a lot to go ahead and try to get in with a person like that. And then the thing about it is, like, people may look at a tall person and think they don't have a good inside game like me. When you try to work the clinch with me, I have inside game. I know how to work in the clinch. It's tall fighters that know how to work in the clinch. I prefer working in the clinch sometimes. That kid's lethal, bro. So that's all, I, that's all I'm going to say about it. Like, he's lethal in so many different categories that Palomino hasn't seen. Like, I know who Palomino has fought, and they're not at the skill level of Bryce. And that's all I'm going to say. So, and you can say it's the same vice versa. Like, Bryce probably hasn't fought anybody at the skill level of Palomino in the way that he fights bare knuckle. But that's bare knuckle. He's fought in people and spar. Dudes, like he he, he sparked this dude named um. He's I think I think he used to be signed to PBC Boxing, or Showtime, and um, he was a uh, he he well, I don't know if he had all the belts at 154, but he had majority of the belts. His name is Banana, and he sparked that dude. That dude is hitting way harder than Palomino. Has way greater greater skill, footwork, defense, all that. And Bryce is in there giving him fits. <laughs> and this is a this is a unified. World champion. We're not talking about an intercontinental um, belt or a lower belt. We're talking about the real belts at 154 in, in big-time boxing, like, in the world. 
We're not talking about like some little shit, bro. So I like I've seen this kid do some great things. He's a special talent, and when the right person invests in him and they find him out, and it, he's gonna go big, bro. He's gonna go big. That's all I can say. A 145-pound weight cut. So how much weight are you cutting? And are your weight cuts brutal, or do you leave do you leave enough in there that you feel comfortable? At first, the weight cuts was brutal. I was an amateur boxer. I fought mainly at 152, and I had one fight at 165. My natural walk-around weight is probably, if I'm eating right and stuff like that, I probably walk around 155. I'm not a big dude. People look at me from the heights, like I'm not a big dude. But once I'm not eating right on my cam, I can go up to 165. I just don't, I don't never get bigger than 165. I, I, I don't ever touch 170. I'm like always under that. So my weight cut is always probably 10 pounds, 15 pounds. It's nothing over 20. But um, my body has come accustomed to me losing that weight because I've done it in better ways. At first, I didn't know how to do it. So me doing it was draining me, was killing me. I was barely eating, barely drinking water, stuff like that, you know, stuff that, you know, everybody does to lose weight if they're fighting at a lower weight class, especially as my first time fighting at a lower weight class, for my first time amateur or professional. So I never fought at 145. My first BKFC fight that was off promotion was at 155, I believe, yeah. So the weight cut was hard. So when I fought Rusty Crowder, I felt weak. I felt weak when I fought Rusty Crowder. When I fought Josh Wright, I felt a little better. Um, when I fought Jimmy Rivera, I feel like it was a good weight cut, but the shit with my hand was bothering me, and I would just, I feel like I was depressed, and a lot of shit was going on with my mental that made me feel like I, I couldn't lose the weight, but I wasn't drained, though, it was weird, it just that, it was a lot of shit going on with that whole thing, going to get the x-rays, and it's not being the x-rays, I'm wasting money, then I turned out I had to get the MRI and found out, you know, that what it, what was wrong with my hand, and they told me, like, straight up not to fight, so... It was that was a real big you know juggle of fighting him and like going through that so that you know if you're not mentally right that shit can fuck with, with your weight and people don't know that you know that shit you know you eat wrong and sometimes they help you with weight which is crazy being depressed and going through a lot of shit can help you lose weight but it also can make you gain weight so that fight was you know the Louis fight was easy as hell to make weight I, I guess it was because I had the layoff I wasn't doing anything that's one main thing about the Louis fight that I regret is that I made the weight very easy. It's probably the easiest weight I've ever made, but I made that weight because I wasn't doing no strength and conditioning. I was still working on my hands, so I wasn't, you know, doing um, the lifting weights like I usually do and getting fully in shape and conditioning those ways because every camp I have a strength and conditioning coach. His name is um, Vontae, and he has a page called um, Built by D. Will, and he's a great strength and conditioning trainer. So, um... That weight cut was the easiest one, but I didn't have the muscle. And that's the reason why the, the weight cut was easy, because I didn't put on muscle. I wasn't working out. I was just doing boxing stuff, trying to make sure my hand was trying to get it to the best of the ability I could. And, you know, but my last two fights, the weight cut, um, I was going to fight at 55, so that was easy. But the 45 weight cut has gotten way better. Like, I don't kill myself for it no more. I, I found out the science. I found out how to count my calories and the fats and look at all the nutritional stuff. When, when I eat stuff, I look it up, and it's been going good. You were talking about like the macronutrient content that you're really focusing on. What is your um, basal, I think it's called basal metabolicism rate. I think that's what it's called. What's your current calories that, that, you're, that you have like per day and how much do you burn per day? Shit, when I'm making weight, 
uh, my intake. I mean, sometimes it varies, man. Sometimes I take in, you know, a thousand calories, you know, sometimes under that and sometimes half of that. Sometimes I'm taking in fucking 500 calories a day and I'm burning what? probably more than that. So it's like, yeah, man, that shit, that shit gets crazy, bro. So, um, 500. Yeah, 500. So I'm barely eating. <laughs> Dude, I would pass away if I ate 500. <laughs> <laughs> so imagine, you know, imagine going through a day on 500 calories and you go to strength and conditioning and then you go to regular boxing practice later and you're barely eating. That's the yeah, no way. To, like make weight. Yeah, bro. I'm dead serious. People like people understand, like, I've always been a very fit person and always been skinny. I never had a lot of muscle mass until I started playing football and started running track in high school. So um, I've always been a smaller dude. And the fact that I work out so much and I do the strength and conditioning and then I go to boxing practice and the boxing just be hot as hell. And sometimes I wear um layers or I wear um, a long sleeve or some sweatpants. Like, I have, like, no body fat. My body is legit, like, just straight muscle, bro. It's boom. It's like I, my body fat is probably – like two percent, maybe even lower. I probably even I, my shit. When I get to fight weight, I probably have no body fat. Like I don't have no stomach. Like nothing is just straight fucking abs. I don't have to flex nothing. It just be solid. Like that's just how my body's built. My metabolism has always been fast. So um, I le I legit do that, man. Like my first fight in BKFC for me to make the weight, I was wearing, and, I, and that's because I didn't know how to make the weight. I wasn't eating bad. Obviously, I wasn't probably eating the best shit either, but I didn't know, you know, about the calories and stuff like that. I legit was wearing three layers of clothes to the gym. I wear three long sleeves and three sweatpants, and I just sweat my ass off. Like, bro, like, that just goes to show you how dedicated I am and how professional I am with making my weight. If you ask anybody in BKFC, I always come in underweight, probably like two, three pounds. I'm, I'm very, like, anal about making weight and being professional because... I'm really working to, like, you know, be my best. And that it pays dividends to me because when I come in that weight and I'm good, I'm faster, I'm stronger. Once I rehydrate, I feel like Superman, you know? So it's like, yeah, it pays off, you know? So have the BKFC officials contacted you at all for a particular date or an upcoming fight? Have they actually contacted you? Because you're going crazy with this with this Kai call out. <laughs> hey, only thing I can tell you, is that me and Kai will be fighting this year or early next year. It's set in stone. There is no more running. There is no more me going online, doing the stuff that I don't like doing because I like contracts getting sent to me. I sign it, and I'm ready to beat your ass. There is no calling now. I'm not the person to talk and do all these antics, but unfortunately I had to do that to get, you know, in the position I'm in because I was getting overlooked because of um maybe maybe ticket sales and maybe other people selling more than me, but not people having better records records than me and fighting better opposition than I fought. But you know what it is, is it's business and I have to respect the business of BKFC if they wanna, you know, make the fight that makes more sense money wise. That's any promotion, that's what they're gonna do, you know what I'm saying? So and day it's not always about skill and who you are and how you fight and stuff like that. Sometimes it's about, you know, making the business grow, making the best fight that's going to sell the most, you know, and I understood that. So I had to get on my horse, tell them that I can do more with my, my sales and my stuff like that. And I'm going to show it. And I'm going to like continue going, going big in the square and become, you know, one of the faces of bare knuckle and be a superstar in it. So as you know, I had to tell them that, you know, it was a lot of in different ways that I felt and I might've said stuff on the podcast and, 
it's not that I had to retract on it, but it's like I had to word it better, better because I can't fault them for, you know, doing what's best for them in their business, you know. That's what they're, they're meant to do. So, um, it's a lot, a lot of ground has been made. And like I said, we locked in. Something's coming soon. So don't be surprised if you see a poster soon, you know, with his funeral date <laughs> very soon. And, you know, because he's already on the post right now. They posted the Salt Lake City um, poster saying that it's, gonna, it's official now. And he's like at me saying, oh, yeah, you know, Howard did all this begging for the fight. And, you know, now they're, now they're saying I won't fight until next year. Like, I don't know what he's talking about, but I never told anybody I want to fight next year. I want to fight this year, December, to be exact. And he knows that. So I don't know where, he, where he's getting his information from to make him have this false narrative when I've never turned on a fight, never ran away or shot from a fight. But one thing about it, I didn't beg for a fight. I earned my fight. I earned my spot, just like I did when I was number one. I earned my number two spot back, just like when they dropped me down to number four to losing to Louis, even though Louis was one and one and then became two and one once he got that fluky ass win over me. He shouldn't even fought for a title. Because when I fought him, I don't even think he was ranked. But at the end of the day, Kai and Louis are both weird individuals. Louis said all the stuff after the fight. And as soon as I wanted a rematch, and we were calling for the rematch for months, Louis told me to wait in line, get in line. So he didn't want to fight. He didn't. He, he yeah, look, it's crazy, right? So he, he he didn't feel like he really won that fight. You feel like you really beat me. You saying all this shit, and you know I gave you the opportunity when I didn't have to give you the opportunity. You'll still be a nobody right now, bro. You came into the first, your first fight at bare knuckle, and you fought somebody that I beat ass, and you got your a jaw broke. So you know I I had no reason to fight you. I didn't have to fight you. I could have fought a trash can coming back. But again, being me, a contract comes floats my way. My coach sees it. He asked me, let's go. You know. And that's what happened. That led to my downfall because I wasn't ready. And, you know, it played in his favor. But it shows that the reason why, you know, he didn't win his champion bout with Kai is because you're not ready. You wasn't ready. You're not nobody that's significant in the division. You got a lucky-ass win. And, you know, you got rewarded for it, but you ain't get the ultimate reward. I'm about to get the ultimate reward. So, and then it's funny. I'm fighting a person that was calling me out from when I've been number one ranked and he was number four. Been calling me out, and he's been running from me, making every excuse not to fight me, trying to fight Dad, who's a older dude, got one foot out the door, trying to fight Child back, who hasn't fought in three years. He's so ready to fight everybody, but not ready to give the man who deserves the shot a shot. I'm formally ranked number one. I'm the same person that you was about to fight, Louis. You're talking about some, yeah, Louis didn't, you know, deserve the title shot. You should be fighting. That was a bullshit Win, bullshit, stoppage, all that. And now you singing a different tune under these posts. So I don't, I, that's why I don't respect Kai. Usually I have a lot of respect for my opponents, but I don't respect the person that's fake in, in person in front of everybody. But behind closed doors, you want to show respect. You want to say real things as a man. But that, does, that shows you're not a real man. And you're not a real champ, bro. So I'm going to show him he's not. When that time comes, whether it's December, whether it's February, whether it's tomorrow, I will fight Kayaz with one hand and beat his ass. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to stand on that. So remember I said all this. You can pin it, post it after I beat his ass, and it's just going to be like he's spoken into fruition. I'm going to I'm gonna put a time code on. Let's let's actually do that. I'm going to put a time code on now. <laughs> 40 minutes, right? I'll remember it. And what I'll do is uh, if when you knock him out, I'll send you the clip via Google Drive, edited, edited Thank looking you. real nice, like the other ones. Thank Have you seen the other you. ones? Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll have like transitions of you fucking knocking him out. Okay. Oh, let's, less, get back, man. let's get back into it. Okay. Um, about your hand, dude. When did this 
injury first start? What what's wrong with your hand, and is it what's the current condition now? My hand, my my cast comes off this Friday. I'll be clear for all activity. I have a metal screw um in my hand. Um, one of my bones had snapped from my last fight. Um, the upper the uppercut I threw. You know, the uppercut is typically supposed to land on the chin area. It's supposed to be an upward punch. I threw it, and the dude, dumb, like, <laughs> I don't know how to, like, put a word in it. He just, he ducked into it. So, it was like a head-on-head collision. Obviously, a moving head to a moving fist. If I'm throwing it hard, he's coming out hard. My hand braced the impact, and my bone snapped. It's the first time I've broken a bone in my hand like that, a clean break. Because um, everybody thinks this is the second time I broke my hand, but this is not the second time I broke my hand. I broke my hand a long time ago fighting in high school, and it was like a hairline fracture, and I had a cast. And in the amateurs, I had similar hand problems because my fucking right hand is a rocket. I hit hard with this shit. Sometimes I throw it wrong. Sometimes it lands good, but it just if you hit hard, you know you're going to have hand problems. Floyd Mayweather had hand problems. Deontay Wilder, I'm pretty sure, has hand problems. Like, if you hit hard, you hit fucking hard. That's going to happen. So, um... The first incident with um, Josh Wright that carried on into the um, Jimmy Rivera fight and then wasn't fully healed when I fought Louis, that wasn't a bone. The reason why it took so long for me to find out what was wrong with my hand is because I've never had an MRI. So the whole time during camp and I'm training for the Jimmy fight, I'm hitting the bag and my hand is feeling weird, but it's not It's not too bad. I'm just thinking, it's okay, yeah, my hand's whatever, whatever. But then I'm landing certain shots and sparring like uppercuts or a certain punch that hits a certain knuckle and I'll jump out the ring in pain. And you guys, anybody there, you guys, um, Jomi, if you know Jomi, he fights in BKFC. His, his better record is like eight and one. He only lost one fight. He's a former world uh, champion. Do you, do you work with him? Yeah, man, man, I'm sparring everything. He's a former world champion, I think, BYB. But he's seen me legit. He was talking about it the other day. It's crazy. He's like, yo, bro, I remember the time you were about to fight Jimmy, and every time you would land something, something like you know, you're jumping out the ring and you're taking off your glove and your fucking knuckles, big as fuck. So that shit was happening all through the Jim Rivera camp. So I couldn't spar how I wanted to. So I was that's why I wasn't at my best, even though I did fight with a fuck the pan already. Like it was fucking up my sparring and my training, bro. So and then I also de- deviated from the plan. I was supposed to just jab and stay outside and box, which I'm doing now more, but. I'm just, I was ready to try to knock him out and get over, get it over with because my hand was fucking hurting, bro. So, I fucked around and, um, <clears throat> got the, um, MRI finally. Before then, I was wondering what was wrong with my hand. It kept swelling up. I kept getting x-rays, x-rays, x-rays. It, like, it's negative, it's negative. Probably three weeks before the Jimmy fight or two weeks, I finally went and somebody advised me to get an MRI. Go to get an MRI. They see a tear in my ligament of my thumb. They should be ruptures in, like, my, um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, it's like a, a satchel band, like the bands that hold my knuckles and shit together. It was, I had ruptures in it, so my hand was fucked, and I didn't know. So they told me, obviously, don't fight. Um, like I said, I got all the, the x-rays, the MRIs, the dates. Like, I have nothing to lie about. I would never discredit Jimmy or anything like that, but I fought with a fucked up hand. I didn't, it, was, it wasn't just, like, <laughs> like, fucked up. It was fucked up. Like, I had a major surgery on it. I had to get three different things repaired on it you can see like the three scar marks that i have on my hand where they went in and had to fix shit so um i finally got the surgery they fixed everything what i was afterwards but yeah what i was i was on um when they found out when the doctors and stuff found out they straight up told me like you can't fight with that hand like don't fight obviously i already signed the contract you know i promise 
the president of Bare Knuckle that I'll fight and I'll win. I promised my coaches, and then he told me it's a big opportunity. You need to take this. This is what can take you to the next level. So I went out on a limb, man. I fought with a messed up hand, and I'm pretty sure, you know, it's, it's not it's not out the ordinary because, you know, us fighters, you train so hard and so long, you wait for a big opportunity. So when it comes, all of us sometimes fight when we're not 100%. I just happen to be going through it, you know, really, really bad because my right hand is a big weapon for me. So that messed me up. And like I said, me fighting probably messed it up even more. So that's why, you know, it took, you know, half a year to recover. And um, I'm just thankful that it recovered good. And what happened now that has nothing to do with that. I got all that checked out and everything is still good with that. It just, you know, my bone got broke from me knocking somebody out, you know, and people can say shit about me having pillow hands this and third, but the reason I'm hurting my hands is because I'm making viral fucking knockouts. It's because I hit hard. It's because I'm breaking the motherfucking face. People would be like, oh, you got pillow hands that third. Yeah, it wouldn't be that if I fucking punched like a pussy. You know, if I if I had little ass pussy hands like Kai and had no power, I wouldn't have no problem. But I'm actually breaking people people's orbitals, making motherfucking people's noses go from being straight to doing a whole left and right angle. Like, I'm, I'm fucking people up. Like, you go look at Jimmy, Jimmy Rivera's fight after we fought. And that's what me with a fucked up hand. Imagine if I had two able good hands. You know what I mean? And I still dropped him. So these people that talk and be in the comments don't understand what I've gone through to, you know, be where I'm at and all the adversity that I faced and still kept going and, you know, never made a big, never made no excuse about it. I still gave Jimmy his props for the draw. Louis can have his props for the quote unquote win and all that's fine, bro. I'm going to spin back, you know, that I'm going to get Louis when I get Louis and he can't run. And if Jimmy want to run it back, I can run it back with Jimmy. It's me, it's me. It's all respect between me and Jimmy. But I would like to fight him when I'm at my best so I can really gauge my level because I feel like I could have won that fight easily if I stuck to my game plan and fought how my coach told me to fight and if I had both my hands. You know, so that's how I feel about it. Who introduced you to bare knuckle boxing? What was the first match you ever watched, like live? Ryan Perez, my old coach, introduced me to bare knuckle boxing. I can't say who I watched first live because I, I, I didn't get to watch Jarrett live until um he defended his belt. When I tried to go watch him fight for the belt in New York, a blizzard had stopped all the incoming flights. So I wait, I paid my money to go fly out there and they canceled my shit. So I didn't get to see him fight for a while. But the, maybe the first Brennoco fight, it wasn't somebody I know. The first Brennoco event I went to, which is crazy, I think it was actually BYB. I, um, I had went no, 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 it couldn't have been when I had already fought. I think my first bare knuckle event, I mean, I might not have ever watched one live. I think my first live bare knuckle event was me fighting. <laughs> I think it was me fighting when I fought on the off promotion or either when I fought for BKFC and I fought Rusty Crowder. But, you know, the, the off promotion came first, so that was my official first bare knuckle fight. It was just on a boxing card. I was the only bare knuckle fight that night. It was the last, no, I don't, yeah, I think it was the last fight maybe in all the boxing matches that already happened, I, I believe. But I had sold a good amount of tickets and stuff like that, so it was it was real good. And um and then I went to BKFC and I came in with one off promotion fight and I fought fucking Rush Rusty Crowder that had probably over ten fights. So that's another thing, you know, like Louis talks about me, everybody talks about me about who I fought, like, but I took big risks. I could have came in and lost to Rusty. I never fought Brennuckle to that extent. My first off promotion Brennuckle fight was legit a two second knockout. I had to do with a one two and send him to the floor, that was it. You know, so I, I went in and fought a, like a vet, a dude that has all these fights, regardless of what you want to say about his style. He had the experience over me, pro combat experience, because I think Rusty fought um, pro MMA too. 
when Louis went in the fight, Rusty, I think Louis already had like fucking nine fights. He'd been doing bare knuckle on different promotions. I had one fight. So I've always taken the risk and fought whoever they put in front of me. My coach always believed in me and my skill and see how I, f I fight and what I've come from and know that I could do it. So that's the reason why I have belief. Like people behind me believed in me too. It may not have been all the way to the extent that I wanted people to believe in me, but they believed in, believed in me to a certain extent that brought me to the level that I'm at right now. What promotion was that that you fought in before BKFC? It, it wasn't an official promotion. It was a boxing promotion. It was, um, I think it was Mundo Boxing, a boxing promotion. And it's like a local promotion that they have fights in um, Miami a lot. They have a lot of good cards. And they added me to the end of it. It was like boxing and bare knuckle. But I was like, I, said, I, was, I was the only bare knuckle fight. It was bare knuckle rules, but it was a boxing ring, you know. So that's why they put my record, how they put my record out, because they added that, that win and that knockout. Did you enjoy that promotion? Did you think it was decently uh, organized? No, it was good. It was just, it was just, it's a boxing promotion. So all they did was, you know, add on the bare knuckles. So, you know, they did what they had to do with, you know, changing the rules and stuff like that. But it, it was, it was quick. It was, it was good. You know, they treated me right, you know, and I appreciate them for the opportunity because I'm, and I didn't have like jitters or anything like that. I never really have jitters or get nervous for fights, but it obviously helped me going into the bare knuckle and then fighting bare knuckle again and knowing how it's going to feel to hit somebody with bare knuckle. Yeah, I didn't get the feeling of getting hit, so that was different. And it was weird at first because I've been boxing for the last few years. I haven't been obviously fighting in the streets or getting hit with bare knuckles. So it was definitely something to get accustomed to, but I'm good now. If you become a massive star in BKFC and they do a cross-promotion. Yes. When? Yes. When? Yes, sorry. Um, when, you're, when you're massive and you have the belt and let's say some 145er, like the boxing champion, like an actual boxing champion is talking shit and let's say the BKFC wants to do a cross-promotion, would you take that fight and put the gloves back on? Because I know you've won by knockout with gloves already. Yes, that's my dream. You know, I love bare knuckle, but remember I came into this, you know, boxing. Even though I have more years in the streets fighting, you know, for free with my bare knuckles, through high school, through middle school, through kindergarten, fighting bare knuckles, like, you know, I love BKFC. I'm going to do that until, like, I can't do it no more. But I also love boxing. Obviously, it's more safer. Not in the sense of trauma to dance like that, but safer on my hands that I've had problems with. But I'll definitely be for it. And I'm pretty sure um, Dave Feldman wants that. He wants cross-promotion like how the UFC does with boxing and, you know, Conor McGregor going against Mayweather and big shit like that. Because that crossover promotion shit, when you bring the two worlds together, that's just lit. So if I was able to fight, a 145 or somebody, you know, in the 140s, whether it be, you know, a big name or a smaller name that's coming up, you know, I love that because I'm, I'm really, you know, bred from both bare knuckle and boxing, you know, so it, that'd be a dream come true. That'd be lit. How many knockouts did you get in kindergarten? <laughs> I don't know. I'll tell you one thing. I broke a lot of fucking jaws, blooded a lot of noses, left a lot of knots on kids' head throughout my life. <laughs> That's fucked. All right. On top on topology, <laughs> I saw that you exactly. I saw that you won by knockout in your boxing uh, match, right? Uh, what yeah. was that experience like for you? And um, we already so, we already said that yeah, you would go back into the boxing ring, but yeah. um, so you won via knockout in your in your only boxing match. Um, yeah. What was that experience like for you? It was a dream c come true, like. The route of to box and be a professional boxer is way 
harder than BKFC. BKFC is, you know, not just just starting, but getting sanctioned everywhere and stuff like that. So it's kind of easier to go, get into if you have some type of amateur experience, UFC, you know, or um, just amateur boxing. Like, to be a professional boxer, it costs, I mean, it, I'm excuse my grammar, I said it costs, <laughs> it costs money to be a professional boxer. You have, you have to have real backing. You have to have a support system. A person that's going to pay for you to get on that card, which is a slot fee. You're going to have to pay for your opponent. Sometimes you have to fly them out, get them a hotel. So if you don't have that support, it's very hard to be a professional boxer. That's why kids work their ass off in amateurs, go to the Golden Gloves, Team USA, so they can get sponsored by these people and get picked up by Showtime and Top Rank. And, you know, because then they handle all that. Like Bare Knuckle, I don't have to pay for my opponent. I don't have to pay for a slot fee to get on the card. They handle all that. All they're doing is get me on the card, I'm whooping ass, and they're paying me. I'm not paying nothing out of pocket. All I'm doing is making money with boxing. You have to basically invest in yourself or somebody has to invest in you to go ahead to make money. Somebody has to really believe in you. And I didn't have an extensive boxing career in amateurs, so I didn't have that back end. And I'm older. I, I started boxing, amateur boxing, at... 22, 23. So I've only really been boxing six, seven years, and it's been on and off. A lot of times I stopped and I couldn't box because I was working multiple jobs. I was working a job that took me out of the state, so I couldn't train properly. I come back and fight for a belt on two two weeks' notice, and I win sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes I lose because I'm not getting, you know, properly trained because I can't put the time in. You know, so it's not it's not, it's not about my coach. It's that you know I'm a grown man living life and I have kids, so it took away from that. So. Unfortunately, I started late because I didn't have the support growing up. I didn't have two parents, you know. I didn't. My mom did the best she could she could do, and I appreciate appreciate her for that. But appreciate her for that. But um, I didn't get I didn't get in the box from an early age like Floyd Mayweather and Javante Davis and all that stuff like that. And of course, my life could have been different. I could have been on a different path. I could have been greater, you know, because you know with that experience comes a lot. You know, you learn a lot. You you get brought up different. You know, it just becomes muscle memory and. It's been happening for me like that, but obviously at a lower, slower level because I haven't been doing it that long. But, you know, I'm still grateful for the position I'm in. And um, I'll definitely be welcome to any cross-platform, like, fighting. And it may, I may even, you know, try the waters of UFC once. I may get in the mixed martial art, you know, fight and try to use my stand-up game and, you know, do it do wrestling and stuff like that and, you know, take on some jujitsu classes. You never know. Well, wherever this fighting game takes me, um, you know, I'm just going with the flow. You met Lorenzo Hunt. I saw that you guys had a conversation. Can you give us some insights into what he was talking to you about? Me and Lorenzo have met probably on, like 50 different times. I can't even know which, which situation you're talking about. Me and Lorenzo, he's always just passing down game, man. You know, telling me, you know, I'm going to be great, you know, I'm going to be the champ, giving me, you know, ideas and things to think about when I'm in the ring and how to prepare defensively in the clinch. Like, that's one of my, like, role models in BKFC. Like, him and Mike Perry, them two dudes that, like, I really like, I'm real cool with. Like, me and Mike, me and Mike Perry going going to get some work soon when I get my um, when I get my cast off. And that's, that's lit. You know, he's such a humble dude. Like, people may think that. He's this, that, and the third because they don't know him and see the, you know, the followers and, you know, he's a star and all stuff like that. But, uh, he's a real down-to-earth, cool dude, bro. Same thing with Juggernaut. He may do a lot of antics because he has to, you know, build up stuff for the fight. But he, he's a great dude, too, man. And them two dudes I really look up to in BKFC. 
So the stuff Juggernaut said to me is just always, you know, knowledge and positive things. I saw that street fight. Some random guy sucker punched you on the street. Why did he hit you, bro? He hit me because the person, um, I, I don't I can't tell you why he snuck me. He probably snuck me because he, he probably know that I'm a boxer and I was probably the biggest dude out of the, us three that was with yeah, He's like, you know, this dude has a castings on. Let me cheap shot him, sleep him, and then me and my homeboy's going to fight the other two, two on two, but he ain't know I'm built different. I ate that shit and went to, like, jacking his ass up, like <laughs> – but yeah, no, he's not me because I guess he felt his homeboy was in danger. He thought we was gonna jump him. Who knows? I can't give a reason why he did that pussy shit, but he did it, and he knows if I ever see him, he's fucked. So uh, maybe he was trying to defend his homeboy, but the dude that is in question, the Alex Tierney dude who started the whole thing, the short dude across the rail, he said he claims he doesn't know him, which I found out is a lie, and I knew that was a lie. Like he hopped in my DMs apologizing for what happened. He didn't know the dude. Dude just did this and third, but that turned out to be a lie. So, but I knew that already, and I saw. I'm like, bro, save your apology. Just know when I see you or bruh, you know, it's on site, and that's just that. Regardless if we fist fight, regardless if I, you know, let y'all off easy and throw y'all a pair of gloves and we spar in the ring, I'm gonna beat their ass. It's gonna, it's gonna be a time that's gonna come that God puts them in front of me, and they're gonna have to, you know, reap what they sow, and that's just that. How many street fights have you been in? I'm a street fight, fighting legend. I'm like Kimball in this shit, man. I can't tell you how many times I fought in the street or got jumped. Or, <laughs> fam, I, I can't, I can't, I, I can't count on my hands and my toes, bro. I, I, I can't even tell you that. To be honest, I fought so much. To be honest, are you serious when you say that you'll give Kai your purse if he beats you? I'm dead ass serious, dead serious. He won't do it, <laughs> but I'll do it. Could you give us some insight into the cultural heritage of your family? When I was researching you, I believe you're Jamaican. I'm not too sure if this is correct. Can you correct. just uh, explain that for us? No, uh, my mom is American. Her um, dad is like mixed with Indian and stuff like that. Like half of my family have like green eyes and all type of shit like that with nice hair. Unfortunately, I don't. <laughs> I have decent hair, but not the green eyes just like that. My dad is um, born here, but his his side of his family is Jamaican, um, up in um, Ocho Rios. We call it Ochi in Jamaica. So that's my Jamaican heritage side of that family, which I'm not so, so close with. But I'm really kind of a loner in a sense. I don't really fuck with my mom's side of the family or my dad's side of the family. But I went to Jamaica this year to visit, you know, some of my family, um, my cousins and stuff like that, aunts and, like, some of my friends when I went to Jamaica. Um, I went a few months, a few months earlier this year, I want to say. I don't know what, what money was, but I went and I stayed for probably like two, three weeks just to um, get a break away from things. I had just lost a, a friend at the gym I was at, a good kid. He had just um, passed away, unfortunately. So I had a fight coming up and I had to, you know, get my head, you know, right because I was, I think that was my comeback fight too. That was the fight that, um, um, no, no, was that the fight? No, 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 that, that fight happened. After, that wasn't the fight, but that was the fight after my comeback fight when I fought the, um, do that 155. I fought the next dude at 155, and that's when he passed away. And yeah, so matter of fact, that, that is when I came back from Jamaica. I was in Jamaica when all that happened. I found out. So, um, then what was talking about? Yeah, so the Jamaica. Yeah, so I was in Jamaica, and then my family is down here where I'm at now, currently in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Florida from Broward County, Florida. That's what I represent when they, you know they say where I'm from. I represent Broward County, Florida. It's the opposite of Miami. Miami is 305. Brock County is not far full, and you know we always have those 
debates about, you know, what's really South Florida, who invented this, who's better with this, da 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 that type of thing, you know, and that's that. How close is Data County from from where you are? How close is Dade County where I'm from? Um, Dade County's probably, like, depending on where I'm at, it could be 20 minutes, it could be 30 minutes, you know, it's, it's not too far. It's not, it's not an hour drive or nothing like that. But if I'm, like, more so north, if I'm, like, in West Palm Beach or Boca or something like that, that's, like, more... You know, north of North Florida, um, it could be an hour because um, Dade County, South Florida. See, I'm in Australia, so I personally wouldn't know, but I heard that Dade is like dangerous as fuck. Yeah, Dade is dangerous, but Broward is just as dangerous. We is different parts. You have places in you know Dade County, or just in Miami in general. Like you go to South Beach, you know they have the you know the upper echelon. They have the rich people. Same thing with Broward. You have the parts that are rich. You have the parts that's poor. The parts that have hoods, the parts that don't. And that's everywhere you go, though. What was the hardest fight of your career? Would you say it was the Jimmy Rivera fight? Because it was a draw? I can say that fight was the hardest because of the draw and because my hand was messed up. But yeah, I because also, of the I circumstances. Also, in the circumstances. I can also say the Josh Wright fight was pretty difficult, too. Josh Wright didn't get his chance, but he was supposed to fight for Bellator. So he was good in MMA. And when I was fighting him, he had this awkward head movement. So he wasn't the tallest, and he wasn't also so, so short. But he, you know, he had this head movement. And Josh Wright is the only person to drop me, and he dropped me with a sneaky hook. Even though I was kind of caught off guard by it because for some reason, I had, I had, it's crazy. I don't remember it happening like that, but I dropped him for the first time in the fight. And for some reason, not my main coach, but one of my other coaches was, like, legit kept calling my name as I'm, like, as he's getting up and they letting the count go, I'm like, I'm like, I had did something after the knockdown. I think I like yelled and like he's calling my name. I guess he's telling me to get back in focus. And maybe that's what it was. But I was kind of distracted. And as soon as I knocked him down, it's like my coach was calling me and I looked over to him and I looked back and I wasn't fully focused. And he threw a check hook and landed that shit right on my chin. And it didn't hurt. It was a flash knockdown. Like as he hit me with it and I was stumbling back, I was already getting back up. So in the midway of me falling down, I was like bracing my fall and getting back up. Because I'm like, what the fuck? And after that, that's when one of my most viral knockout, knockouts happened because I hated the fact that I got knocked down by him. So I got up and I fucking made him go viral. You know, that's the that's torque knockout. I don't know if you've seen it, but that's when I got... Oh, that's the one where you hit him with that fucking, like, overhand hook or whatever you hit him yeah, with and yeah, your yeah, whole yeah, arm exactly. went in, like, one straight line. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's that fight. So that fight was difficult because I got knocked down and he legit had good movement. He had... um. Good defense. Like I said, it was awkward how he was moving his head, but he was moving his fucking head so much, and he was counter-punching. You know, he was doing good things, and, like, it's crazy that we, you know, talking about that. To me, his style, and I just said said that on a post just recently when somebody said something, I was like, bro, to be honest, bro, how these people talk about who I fought, who I fought even though I fought better opposition than them, and, you know, I don't deserve this at the third because I ain't fought a top five fighter, even, even though I fought people that's better than the top five fighters. It's like, bro, you guys... Sleep on Josh Wright. Josh Wright only fought two people that's fucking taller than him and fucking killers. When Tom Schof was, before he lost to Palomino and lost to Bryce, Tom Schof was one of the most exciting bare-knuckle fighters that you can watch fight, and he had skill. Josh Wright fought him, and I think he dropped Tom Schof, and they went out of war before Tom Schof stopped him. And then he comes off the Tom Schof loss, and I'm I come off of my Rusty Crowder win, and I had a fight before that with Joe Pegg, but it fell through because he hit his eyes and shit like that. And me and Josh Wright fight, 
And I fought Josh Wright, and I, I gained respect for Josh Wright. He cut my eye. My eye was bleeding, and he dropped me. That dude would a legit beat, to me, with my honest opinion, he'll beat a lot of the people that's in the top five and even the champ, bro. He'll beat a lot of people that they're hyping up, trying to break up and say that this person deserves this or this person do that or this person, whatever, undefeated. He'll beat a lot of those people, to me. I don't know if they get in the ring how it will go, but skill level-wise, that dude was good, man. And people sleep on him, but just because he fought top, tough opposition and he didn't fight easy people. If he fought easy people, he'll be undefeated and he'll be ranked. That's just the truth. How did you get the nickname HD? What is the story behind that? And who in particular gave it to you? Uh, my friends are just stupid. <laughs> and my friends stupid. I don't like my name. My name is um, Howard Davis. It's very proper. And obviously it sounds white, but it's, it's Jamaican too. Because if you ask a, per, a Jamaican person how many people they know name Howard is going to be fucking a lot, especially as a first name because it's a last name. So I always just, I don't play, I don't know if I got picked on, but it's just like I didn't like my name because it was very proper and like to me like old. So it's like I I made my initials like HD, like, and I don't think I was the first person to say it. Or maybe I was. I think I came up with my own nickname, but then everybody started calling me, um, you know, high definition or HD or, you know, high def. My, my homeboys are stupid. They called me hot dog. One of, my homeboys called, one of my homeboys called me hook dick, all type of stupid shit. So, like, my homeboys are stupid, so it just it stayed, bro. So, it's like, it legit stayed, and, like, I just went with it. Like, I like it because people know me as that in the street. If you come down to Brock Hunt you're going to hear, oh, you heard about HD fight, you're seeing HD, it's not going to be Howard. They're going to say HD. So, I'm just, I didn't get to come up with, like, a, a, a cool-ass nickname and think about it and write it down. Like, my nickname came from my initials. <coughs> How young were you when you first had your children, and what example you example are you trying to set for them right now? My first child is when I was nineteen. I was out of high school. I made it through the whole high school without having any kids. And one year after, I had a you know I had my firstborn. He has my whole name. He's the third. And um, the example I'm trying to like, set for my kids is. Obviously, I don't want them living the life that I had to live and do the things I had to do to be here right now and go through what I had to go through, you know. But the main example I want my kids to know and see for me is to know that anything you desire in this world, you can have it. And that's through, you know, hard work, perseverance, and just, you know, putting God first. That's the biggest thing I can give back to my kids and the kids that look up to me that I sponsor and everything like don't let somebody tell you that you can't do it because I had that my whole life. Rather, if it was said or shown, like, if you feel you can't do it and you want to work your ass off to get what you want, you can do anything. Whether, you know, I'm not forcing my kids to box. I'm not forcing my kids to become doctors. Or, you know, all that stuff. That's not all about money. I want my kids to do what makes them happy. And what makes me happy throughout my life has been fighting, you know. And it was football at one point in time, but then football didn't work out and fighting was always there. So, you know, God closed one door and opened up another door for me, and I found my purpose. So, it's, you know, my example that I want to set for them is, you know, find something that you want to do that you, you love doing, and, you know, don't settle for anything in this, you know, this life. You have one life. You might as well live it to the fullest of your capabilities. Like, you don't settle for a nine-to-five job. I was, you know, programmed and drilled into my head to work a nine-to-five job my whole life, and that's all I would be, and that's all I would do, and I didn't want to do that. So I took a risk, regardless of how it looked to people, regardless if it didn't work out at first and it wasn't 
in five years or a snap of the fingers, I took a risk and look where I'm at now. I'm known internationally. People respect me. People hit me up every day and say I motivate them to get up out of bed every day. That they, they, I motivate them to stop being depressed, to not have suicidal thoughts, to want to work out and get in better shape. I have that power, and that's all God blessing me for, you know, staying on the journey and being true to myself and being true to the people around me that support me. So I just wanted to show my kids that, you know, it's not going to be handed to you. You know, you have to grind for it. You have to work for it. You know, you have to put God first because he's the reason why we we are here and we have the things that we have. And that's going to be my message to not just my kids, but anybody that's listening to this podcast or going through life and struggling no matter what age you, you're at because you're not too old to change your, you know, your circumstance and, you know, your life. How much has Ryan Perez influenced your career? How much has he helped you throughout your life? Ryan Perez has helped a great deal with my, um, not just my life. He helped my life uh, mindset in a lot of good ways. And um, he's been there. When times I wanted to quit, when I was getting my ass handed to me in sparring, when I was barely being able to come to practice or barely eating because I didn't have the money to, you know, eat every day, you know, and I had to do things like rod my bike <laughs> 10 fucking miles to practice, practice and then ride my bike 10 miles back. I used to ride 20 miles a day on the bike to come to practice, work out, and then ride 10 miles back just to go to practice. So he's seen that I wanted it, you know, and he just, you know, nurtured that and, you know, showed me that somebody believed in me and helped me keep going when things were down, whether it was relationship things, it was things at my house or things with my mom, anything like that. Like, he, he did just enough to get me to where I'm at and to give me the opportunity to fight for bare knuckle and um, keep me in the gym and keep me boxing. And even if he didn't always have, you know, me in the forefront of his plans, he always came back and looked out for me, you know. So I appreciate him because out of everybody that say they had me and, you know, I'm going to do this, that, and third for you, he actually did a lot of the things that he said he would do. So he's a big person in my well, he was a big person in my life. Like, we not, we don't have no beef, but certain stuff has happened that, you know, I tried to forgive him for certain stuff that didn't have something to do with me, had something to do with my um, people around me. And, you know, I let, I let it go. And then I just seen some other stuff happen. And I just, I just have a bad feeling about it. And I feel like, you know, he's in the center of it. So I just have to stop, like, giving people the benefit of the doubt to be around me, even though they have done right for me in the past. That doesn't mean they're going to do right for me in the future. So. I had to distance myself from that person in that situation. How good were you at American football? What position did you play? I played wide receiver. I was damn good. <laughs> I played only one year of high school football because obviously I was suspended a lot from fighting. And I was never a dumb kid. I just was never in school to learn the lessons I needed to learn to be good at math and be good at certain stuff. But I finally got it together and made the right choices and Got the GPA. GPA. I needed to um, play football, and for that, I end up going to FSU for a visit. End up getting letters from F, um, LSU. Um, I got to think all of them. Cincinnati. Like people were really looking at me, but I had to make a certain um, score on the ACT. I didn't, and my D1 eligibility went away. So I could have went to um, junior college. You know, I had very good hands. I was fast. My conditioning was great. Like, even if I'm not getting the ball, I'm running off the line. I'm doing my, my thing with the blocking for the running back. So, 
you know, a lot of people praised me and seen what I can do. And I was, you know, really a good talent. That could have been a great talent, but I didn't have the support and I didn't have the right mindset to do it. And um, life happened. I had my kid early, as I told you, a year after being in high school. And everything about me going to a junior college or going to a D2 school, D3 school to then try to trans transfer to a D1 school that went out the win window because the most important thing that became, you know, in my life at that time was my son. I didn't want to leave my son for a year or two chasing a dream. Like, it was yet to, pro to provide for him. But, you know, I grew up fatherless. I never had that guidance. So I wanted to be a present father right there from the beginning. I didn't want to miss my kid at his most um, early age and, you know, being a father because, I'm, you know, I'm chasing a dream. And who knows if that was the, you know, right choice or wrong choice, but I live with it now. And I think it was the right choice because, you know, I love my kids and they're the reason why I fight right now. So things happen for a reason and you make the, the choices you make, you got to live with them. And I, I feel like that was the right choice to, you know, put my, my child first rather than um, what I wanted to do. Because once you have a kid, it's not about you anymore. It's about your kid and what you got to do for them. I'm in Melbourne right now, but I do go for the Philadelphia Eagles. Who's your team? <laughs> yeah. uh, football. You got to talk some football, bro. <laughs> What's your team? Baltimore Ravens. The the players that played for them when I was um growing up, like Jamal Lewis, Ray Lewis, just the environment that the Ravens like bring. Like you have people like Ed Reed. That's you know from Miami and play for the University of Miami and they just like it's a different demeanor about them man it's like I can't even describe it like they were just so aggressive and just so rugged like they reminded me of me and how it is back home and like um I just love the team their the, the defense was just everything you know so I got I legit got a Ravens tattoo on my goddamn <laughs> on my goddamn hand before they won the Super Bowl that that year the last time they won the Super Bowl, and then they won the Super Bowl, and everybody looking at me, and I'm like, bruh, I knew they was going to do it. That's my team, you know what I'm saying? So I had ultimate belief in them, so it's like, that's my team, man. So it's, it's always them and um, the San Diego Chargers. They that, they was my team, too. I had a few players I loved it from there, too, like LaDainian Thompson, um, Antonio Gates, and Phillip Rivers. They're, like, big players to me in football, and I really like them a lot, too. And um, they had these jerseys called the Powder Blues. And the, they, the jerseys are just so clean that that became, like, my second favorite team. And everybody was like, you can't have a second favorite team. And I'm like, man, I like who I like. Like, you know, I can't tell you. I, I like the Chargers. Like, but I like the Ravens. That's my first favorite team. Um, if these American football players went into MMA or a boxing sport or something with their physiques, do you think they would fucking dominate if they learned the skills? They could because, obviously, to be in the NFL or to be in the NBA, you have to be, you know, have the top echelon abilities in, like, athletics. So if you get the right coaching, as we've seen with Le'Veon Bell and Adrian Peterson, Le'Veon Bell looked damn good when he knocked Adrian Peterson out. Like, like he has some skill in tech. Like, these are people that are naturally fast, got fast twitch muscles. So if you learn something, you can pick it up easy. You can definitely do that, man. It's just like, you know, even though it's not combat sports, you got Deion Sanders and, you know, Bo Jackson that went from, you know, baseball to goddamn football. That's two totally different things, bro. But it was great at both because, you know, their athletic ability allowed them to be great at it. So, you know, basketball may not be so contact sport, but you have LeBron James that was great at football. You have um, Allen Iverson, he was great at football. So it ain't just combat sports. It's just like, I mean, it's, it's combat sports, but I think it's contact sports in general too. 
Like, they can transition real good. And sometimes they don't transition real good. Obviously, Nate Robinson with him, with, you know, Jake Paul and shit like that. You know, yeah, you grow up fighting, but, you know, it's different when you have a person that's actually training. And, you know, even though he's a YouTuber, he still trains his ass off. He pays money to have the top training dudes, you know, help him out in his camp so he can look like he's a, a real professional boxer. And he, he showed that he is. You know, he fought former, you know, people that uh, that person that beat Conor McGregor. He fought, you know, obviously Nate Diaz, and, um, Anderson Silva, and um, Tyron Woodley. Yeah, so it's like, you know, that's and that, that's a YouTuber. That's a regular person. We're not talking about someone that has crazy athletic abilities that's in the NFL, NBA. This is a person that makes his money off being a personality on YouTube. So if he can do it, why wouldn't, uh, you know, a person that obviously has a different type of grind and discipline and motivation that they made it all the way to the top of the top by making it to the NFL, NBA, why wouldn't they be able to do it? I go for the Nuggets. Who do you go for? Lakers. <laughs> Shout out to Shaq. <laughs> yes, sir. Have you tried any other martial arts? Nope. All I know is fighting in the street, which is basically BKFC, but now it's professional, and boxing. Anything other than that, I never did karate, anything like that. I did. I ran track, and I played football, and I played soccer when I was legit, so that's it. How'd you get involved with Bad Boys uh, Boxing? Who who introduced you to the promotion? We brought it up before, but I, I just realized that I didn't even mention the actual name of the promotion. Bad Boys? What is that? That's Bad Boys Gloves. Bad Boys Gloves? Sounds so familiar, but someone... That's where you boxed. That's what you boxed for, who you boxed for, I believe. It was on YouTube when I watched you uh, boxing. No, no, that's on Black Sheep Boxing. That's all I was like, who? <laughs> What's that? Yeah. I, I don't even know. Where did I get that name from? I don't know. That's their promotion. They came up with it. I guess, um, you know, the Black Sheep is the, the sheep that, you know, goes ahead and I guess they separate. I know I know it was a post they made, but, like, they separated themselves from the, the white sheep and they're, like, the chosen, like, sheep or something like that. So... <laughs> They, they don't know. They came up with Black Sheep. That's their name. I don't know, bro. <laughs> You've got John148 in your bio on Instagram. Uh, how important is this verse for you? And when did you uh, realize that you wanted to show the world this message? I seen that verse this year, I think. And it was just, it just touched me. It's like, I've gone through so much this year. We're losing five different friends this year in five different ways. And I couldn't really lean on people to understand me. And I couldn't lean on my own understanding. And I had to just give it to God. And, you know, obviously I went through more than just that. Like this year, obviously, it was my first fight back after the cut loss. I had a lot of people turn their back on me and show me that no matter what you do for a person that, it's not going to be good enough or you're not going to be good enough for them in their eyes, whatever. It's like I had a lot happen to me this year that made me like really be down and depressed and need more God in my life. So I mean, I felt like I didn't have nothing that verse spoke to me because if I, you know, you feel like I had nothing, you know, I know that and I feel like I had God, you know, God is all I needed. And that's just it spoke to me. And that's what I needed at that time. Like that that verse really spoke to me. I said, damn. Like it like it hit my life like it was just talking to me like it was talking directly to me and I know when people get in my body and see it no matter how they feel they read it they be like damn it made people feel like that like that's deep but it's it's more than deep it's so like 
spiritually sound, like it's real. If you really give your worries, your anxieties, just your fear, everything to God and just pray and just, you know, believe, you know, it, it comes around full circle and that's what I had to do and that's what that verse, you know, really speaks to me. I feel like it's both. Reading it and then just taking it in, I feel like, like he just puts his hand on your shoulder and he's like, this is for you. <laughs> like it's certain stuff you hear, really. Like, I go to church and I hear the pastor say certain things or he, he's going over um, everything he had planned down and I'm just like sitting there and I'm listening. I'm like, damn, it's like, this is the day I probably wasn't going to go to church or, you know, I came late, but this message is coming straight directly to me and everything that I have going on in life is like reading my mind and reading my heart. So it, it's, uh, like I said, it's both. It's both, man. On another note, how long do you think you'll stay uh, fighting in the BKFC? As long as they ha they have me, you know, as long as I'm getting paid properly for who I'm fighting, if I fight a big name and, you know, I keep doing what I'm doing with the viral knockouts and I'm winning, I'm succeeding. As long as they, you know, we looking out for each other, I'm bringing people to your promotion, whether it's fighters or fans and you guys are, taking care of me and my family. I'll be in bare knuckle for a long time to be in bare knuckle. And bare knuckle's cool with me boxing. They don't want me on, on, on another bare knuckle promotion, which is that's obviously as business. But boxing, boxing is separate from bare knuckle. So obviously that'll bridge, you know, the gaps that we may have in fighting people that's in boxing if I'm already, you know, successful in both. And the same thing with other fighters too who want to box. Who's your favorite MMA fighter and why? Hmm. Stylebender. Really? Of all the people you could have chosen? I thought about Leon Edwards because his story is lit too. But I, I have to be honest, I don't, I'm not a big, big MMA dude, UFC dude like that. But like one fight, fights I don't miss is um, Stylebender fights. Like his striking, it was just like on a next like level to me before he obviously fought Strickland and it looked very subpar. I don't know if it just, it just had a great game plan or Izzy was just off. I don't know what it was, but Strickland defense was really good. Striking was really good. That felt like I didn't even know too much about Strickland, but my homeboy was telling me like he may upset him. He was still going with Izzy. When as we was watching the fight, once I seen Izzy come out and just the look on his face, I just felt like he wasn't there. Like I put this on everything. I told my homeboy, like, yeah, I don't like how he's looking off rip. And they started fighting and he started losing. I said, Damn, this is weird. But I just like Izzy's story, you know, like the fact that he's a real champion and He's fought in all these, you know, world title fights, and he's dominated most of them, even the wars he's went at. He came out on top, and he goes against his nemesis from kickboxing that he didn't have to fight because he didn't have enough fights to even really be in contention to fight him for a belt. Gave him a shot. Yeah, he lost to him, but even if you watch that fight, he was dominating the whole fight. Lost on the last-minute hook that got him dazed, and the ref came in and stopped it, which I feel like I don't feel like it was premature because it's my put like, you know, it could have been worse. Alice could have injured him in another different way and knocked him cold out, but... You know, he was the champ. He was winning every round to me, or he won the majority of the rounds. And to end the fight like that and, you know, get stopped when you're not laid out on your back and you're still up, just like with Strickland. Strickland knocked him down, and he had his back turned to Strickland, and Strickland was hitting him, and he made sure to look at the ref and give him the thumbs up. So it's just like, and I feel like he did that because he's, you know, traumatized from the event that happened with Alex. So I like the story that he came back from that, knocked his ass out the next time they fought, and finally, you know, so it's just like, that, that's like the um that's like an underdog type of thing. Like you know, even though he's not an underdog in the UFC, because he was undefeated until he moved up to that weight class that he wasn't naturally in and lost because he got out wrestled and shit like that. Before then he was undefeated. He's just looking like the greatest, you know, middleweight 
of um all time in that promotion, even with the losses he have. And um, you got to salute him for what he's doing, man. You know, he may people may think he's a little weird for whatever that came out and the shit he's been doing, but <laughs> that's not nothing to you know take a shot at him for his fight, his fighting ability. Ability like he's made war ranked dudes look subpar. You know, made them look like they can't do nothing with him. Like his skill was on that level with, like, you know, Anderson Silva, you know, back in the day type shit. So I, I really liked the Anderson Silva, but Stylebender's definitely, like, right now, one of my type, my, my top, top dudes. You know, I like um Ajamon Sterling, even though he just didn't fight to his fullest um, capabilities with Sean O'Malley. He probably should just fought how he fought the first round rather than rushing in and getting caught with a counterpunch and knowing this dude is a, you know, pre predominantly, like, striker. So... You know, you can't say we can look on the outside and think how a person should have fought, but but obviously I like Connor, um, Dustin um, Poirier. That's from I think he's from actually from down there. I like his striking. Um, Gagey. He, he's Gage. he's in Dustin's in Florida right now because he's training with American Top Team, but yeah. he is uh, originally from Lafayette, Louisiana. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's where he's from. But you know, he 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 reps Florida because he's always down here. You know, training and stuff like that. So. Obviously him, you know, um, obviously um, game bred when he was fighting for UFC. That's one of my favorite fighters because obviously he's from down here too in his style. He like he don't take shit for nobody. He's going to fight whoever. You know, I like Nate Diaz because he just don't give a fuck either. He's kind of like a bare-knuckle fighter. Obviously, you know, um, Mike Perry, you know, Platinum. It's all, all these, it's just so many names. There's so many people that I've seen that I like, you know, whether it be older dudes or not. You know, um, what's that one dude like Rampage? Or, um, damn, what's that one dude, dog? That's one dude I like. He got the Mohawk. Oh, Chuck Liddell. You know, I, I, you know, I know some of the older fighters because even though I wasn't into, into at UFC and that wasn't what I wanted to do, like, I played the video games. I seen, you know, most of them boys go at it. And, you know, I, I like some of them boys as savages, man. They really know how to fight. You brought up McGregor and you brought up Mike Perry. They had that moment in the BKFC ring. If they had a fight, how do you see that going? And do you think that would explode the BKFC? That would make the BKFC go through the roof. And I'm going to go up my guy, Platinum. I love Connor to death, but he hasn't been the same Connor since he got filthy rich. I don't think he got the same motivation, and, you know, determination and stuff like that. And maybe he do. Maybe he just, he just has some bad shakes, but... Mike Perry just been, you know, doing Mike Perry things, being the warrior, man. And I have to lean Mike Perry for sure. How big do you think the BKFC will get in the next five years? BKFC can be right up there with the UFC. I feel like we, they can be neck and neck because it's it's different. The excitement, the, the beat. You have to go to a BKFC event to see. You have to see a really good fight and see just the sound effects from, you know, the, the knuckles hitting the, the face and just you gotta see it man it's it's different it's different it's definitely different people understand it's not boxing it's not ufc is is bare knuckle so it's different you fought three times in one year in the bkfc <clears throat> fuck you fought three times in the bkfc in for, in one year right so you've it's been true. you've been so active how important is that activity for a fighter in in the current landscape of the BKFC? It's great. The more active you can be, the better. When I fought um, Jimmy Rivera and I fought Josh Wright and Luis Lopez, I fought three years. 
I mean, three fights in one year. And now I'm looking to fight a fourth time. If I get this car fight in December and get locked, locked in, then that's four fights in one calendar year. And that'll probably be top for the second most ever for BKFC. I know, I think Gogo, my homeboy, I think he fought maybe four times in one year, maybe five. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm about to be at four. So, that obviously, I had the injury with my hand and it stopped sh shit because I could have been fighting this month or next month. But maybe it happened for a reason, so I didn't fight again so I don't get hurt then, and then it pushes my title fight back. Or, you know, they pick somebody else because I'm hurt. Or, you know, I get some dumb shit happened. I get cut like the Louis Laws, and, you know, they jump jump it to um, jump whoever, you know, cut my eye to a title fight like they did. Louis, even though he didn't show the credentials to have that title fight, even though, yeah, he beat the number one dude, but even the, the chairman, Dave Feldman, didn't respect how the doctor stopped that and how that win happened. So he should have got another fight and had to show that, you know, he just really deserved it. Because what is he now? He fought for the title and he's, what, 2-2? Two and two? I'm fucking 5-1-1. One and one. How does a person that's fucking 2-2 two and two fight for a belt before I fought for the belt and I was ranked number one? Like, dude wasn't even ranked. So it was like, you know, how, how but how stuff happens, happens. You know, it was a, a fight between two people from the same place. They brought a lot of people, made a lot of money. So I understand. Have you ever experienced ring rust? Yes, when I fought Louis. <laughs> That's why I don't want to sit down and I was off. Like, it's not even just fighting him from the ring rust, but, like, I wasn't 100%. And then the fact that I had that ring rust for the first time in my career, I think it's the longest time I haven't fought in the amateurs and in the professionals. Usually I'm a very active dude, no matter what it is, boxing the bare knuckle, because I like to get comfortable. And the fact that I wasn't fully comfortable, obviously, after coming off that, and wasn't in my right state of mind, it you seen what happened. I got my eye cut. I fought like a jackass. I could have stayed back the whole time and fought Louis on my back foot because he wasn't coming forward. I, I, I was coming for the fight. I was coming in, swinging, taking his shots like I didn't give a fuck. And what did that lead to? My momentum coming forward, his momentum backing up and swinging punches, and a cut happens. And It's a learning lesson, and that's why I never fight like that again. I fought off a lot of emotions and shit. What do you think about the longevity between a boxer and a bare-knuckle fighter? Who do you think can fight for longer and uh, have more fights? Because right now we're in the early stages of the BKFC. It's just going to get going, right? But what do you think about the damage, the damage both take? And um, it's kind of a difficult question to kind of unpack because – BKFC fighters, if they get damaged to the body, I believe they probably won't have as much brain damage in the future when they're like 60 or 70. But boxers getting punched in the face and the head when they're 14, 13, all the way until they're 40, like, dude, they, you've seen a lot of early deaths, which has been really unfortunate. So yeah. what do you think about uh, how do you, how do you unpack that topic? Studies have shown that bare knuckle is safer than boxing in that way because the blood – you know, force trauma that you get from just receiving those blows to the head throughout the years and just over repeated, repeatedly, repeatedly, like, bare knuckle rounds are shorter and people not throwing that many punches because you can't because you don't want to fuck your hands up or your hands will eventually get fucked up from landing a good punch or a bad punch. So it's like, and then um, with boxing, you have a false sense of security. You have that glove on, whether it's a 10-ounce or 8-ounce, so you're throwing full power. So you're getting hit with harder shots than you're getting hit with bare knuckle. You can't always throw your hardest shot in bare knuckle because... If it doesn't land and you hit the elbow or you hit the back of the head, your hand's broken and you're fucked. So studies have shown that it's way more trauma and damage with having a longevity in boxing than it is bare knuckle. Yeah, bare knuckle, you may not have fucking 40 fights, 30 fights, 
whatever, but you're also not going to have the type of damage you're going to have from boxing. With bare knuckle, um, with bare knuckle, you're going to have more cuts than anything, and obviously hand injuries. But with bo- with boxing, there's going to be way more um, trauma to the head just from the blows and shit like that. Repeatedly over and over, like as you say, from 13, 14, all the way up to sometimes people boxing to their 40, 45. So, you know, just it's not good for you. Obviously, we've seen it with Muhammad Ali and, uh, you know, a lot of boxers who have, you know, the problems with their speech and putting words together and doing certain things. Final question. What's your favorite knockout of your career? My last one. I would have said the Josh Wright one because it went the most viral, but it's not about that. Uh, I always say I'm going to knock out my opponents. I usually do. But the fact that um, my last knockout came, how it um, came, was a beautiful thing. For some reason, I wanted a, a rear uppercut knockout, and I just planned it the whole camp. I landed in sparring on different sparring partners from weight classes and height-wise, and just the uppercut was just something that I just kept working on. And I told my coach, and I told the people at Bare Knuckle, when I, before I, um, after I stepped on the scale and we do the interview before the fight and they want to know, What's our, you know, plan for the fight and what punch we feel like we'll knock him out with? I told him I'm gonna knock him out with a rear right uppercut. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. And I went in the ring and I did it. Is you know, I executed it. And that takes strategy. That takes timing. That takes you know, real practice and skill to knock a person out. You know how you say you're gonna knock him out. It's like Devin Hester saying, "Hey, I don't know if you watch football like that or you watch the bad name." But Devin Hester was like, "I'm gonna run back the opening kick return for the Super Bowl," and he ran it back. To tell somebody you're gonna do something, and to, then then to do it is like, that's 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 like that's goat movement right there. <laughs> it's just a different level. That's all we have time for, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much, HD, for your time. Is there any final message you want to say to the fans at home as we wrap up the podcast? Uh, mm, my final message is, mm, damn, what do I want to say right now? <laughs> My final message is... Give, you know, give them some advice. Give them some advice. Uh, chase your dreams. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't just because they can't. Do what you want in life, whether it's, you know, money-related, relationship-related. Go after what you want and get prepared for my title fight because I'm bringing that 145 title back to Florida. Follow HD on Instagram, link in the description, and follow Anything Combat on Spotify. See you guys next time. Ah.